I'm so excited to announce the 2020 Energy Intensive with me, Trisha Carr, and my partner, Crystal Ann Compton. The Energy Intensive is an eight-week comprehensive program that teaches and activates energy healing modalities. This program is unique, it is brand new, and it is cutting edge. It's also perfect for anyone who's interested in healing and energy, and particularly for intuitive people, for metaphysical seekers, and for spiritual practitioners. To learn more about the 2020 Energy Intensive, click the link in the description of this episode. Welcome to the Charmed Life Podcast. I am your host, Trisha Carr. This is episode number 188, and that is just counting the full-length episodes. I do a lot of mini-episodes in between the full-length episodes, and I'm going to actually skip any announcements right now. Maybe I'll put some in at the end, toward the end of the episode or at some other point of the episode. I want to get right into today's topic, and uh, but in case anyone is new, let me say welcome. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you find this a warm and exciting place to explore your curiosity in metaphysics and spirituality, mysticism, and all things about the universe love of one. And just a short intro about myself. Again, if you are new here, I am a spiritual teacher. I'm a multidimensional medium, animal telepath, and clinical hypnotherapist. And what is really uh, important or prominent (laughs) for today's episode is the animal telepath. And I guess also a spiritual teacher, because I'm going to just talk about a few topics, which will probably be uh, educational for some. And so allow me to dive right in, if I can. Today's episode is about the spiritual practices of animals. And I have examined and also explored and questioned and witnessed this in uh, animals that I work with, animals that I live with. And I, w- I want to start by saying that right up front, there are a lot of similarities between animals and humans, and there are also distinctions and differences. And of course, there are individuations pr- between each being, each entity, of whether they are human or animal. And then there are also these sort of, if you might think of them as cultural differences, but indeed they're biological and anthropological differences between animals as it concerns their species and the elemental kingdom or the, the, the elemental kingdom with which they more closely vibrate, meaning, you know, fish vibrate with the element of water and uh, birds with air. Some birds are water and air and so on and so forth. You know, there are many ways where there are distinctions between that the entity may be drawing upon and the being may be drawing upon and So this will be a generalization because just to help us to look at the topic a little bit. And at the same time, it will probably focus a lot more on just our, our, the animals who are domesticated animals who live in our families, because I think we all relate to that really well. I mean, we relate to the wild kingdom as well, because we are one with everything. But just this episode will really focus on some of the domesticate on domesticated animals animals in my family uh, lightly on animals that I have experienced in sessions but I don't go into detail about any any private session I'll loosely refer to something or um, change the details entirely or I've had permission to actually share the information just as an overview but the reason I want to state up front that there are similarities and differences because it is important for us to 
to refrain from projecting or even anthropomorphizing animals. And anthropomorphizing means that we project onto an animal human characteristics that do not align with them. And aside from anthropomorphic tendencies, it's really just projection from one entity to any other entity. You know, it's it's important for us to be neutral and open and find the, the resonances. And that would be even from one human to another. You know, we want to not project our assumptions, our judgments, or even our own experiences onto another because that will put conditions between our ability to to resonate with one another. And so as uh, an animal telepath and a teacher, one who teaches others to connect with animal communication, animal telepathy, I do like to, I often start lessons with that. These are the similarities, these are the differences, very general sense, but we, we do want to make sure that we are releasing any expectation for them to be like human. I'm just going to leave it at that without delving to, that's a whole deep lesson in and of itself. But what is interesting is as we feel resonance with another being, as two entities feel resonances, and so that then we do translate it. We interpret it is better better said. We interpret it so that we, as we receive the energy of another and as the other energy receives us, then we create a third energy which we both then consume into our being, consume into our soul. And so my job and when I'm doing sessions as an animal communicator is to take the energy that I'm receiving from the animal. And sometimes it's very easy to interpret because they're just literally showing me a picture. And so it's like, this is what it looks like, or this is what it you know feels like. But other times it could be if they're mental and emotional concerns that may be a little bit harder to identify, then we use metaphor and we we link it in in a way that the human can understand. So one example, maybe just for example, that when you for if if a dog is experiencing separation anxiety and to just communicate what the animal, what the dog is wanting to say about what it feels like when their human leaves, is that when for I might I might interpret it the emotion that the animal is sharing with me that it feels like when you leave that you've been broken up with and that you feel a little bit heartbroken. Now, animals who, like a dog who lives in your home, probably doesn't have boyfriends and girlfriends in cyclical relationships. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so really the being broken up with is something that's a quality of energy that I'm interpreting so the human can really understand what that feels like and even embody it for themselves. Because again, the resonance energy is embodying the third energy that the two energies are creating together and so that's just an example but that doesn't mean literally that the animal is experiencing a breakup it's just a quality of energy that I'm interpreting all right like I said I don't want to go too deeply into it but let's delve into the um, exploration of animals and their spiritual practices so there right away is um, a similarity (laughs) you might say is that animals do have spiritual practices Animals do have their devotional time. And so just as an overview, animals meditate, pray. They are healers. Animals use different elements in nature in the same way that we do, like crystals and healing with different uh, um, natural components of the landscape or of the world. Animals use energy healing. And then they also do things like 
communicate with spirit guides. They become spirit guides when they're on the other side, when they pass from this life. They see their past loved ones and communicate with them. And so they do mediumship, basically, is what I'm saying. And they do other things like um, protect one another. I mean, I think that's no surprise to anyone who has animals in their family that they protect us and, and they protect one another and they care and love for one another. So there's your overview. And now let's dig in a little bit with some examples and some stories. Animals do meditate. Now, meditation is the practice of releasing the conscious mind in the sense that it stands aside. And the critical mind is either disorganized or so highly organized that it's able to get out of the way. And then we drop down into the subconscious mind. Now, that's a basic example of the theory of mind for a human And animals don't have exactly the same kind of makeup of that theory of mind as do humans. And in that they they don't exactly have such a division with that critical mind between the conscious and the subconscious minds. They are more fluid. Let's just say they're more fluid. And they are in access of the subconscious mind pretty much at all times. So it isn't something they have to work at. It's, it's natural to them. They just meditate from the first day to the last moment of their lives. They just do that. It isn't something that they kind of get conditioned away from and have to relearn as humans tend to do. And that's very typical of human because that's how our minds are formed with this, uh, this current social construct that we have. And so they have access to it, but they do go into deeper states of either awake and alert and present with this time space or going deep into the eternal and the infinite of the time space lessness, timeless and spacelessness, and being connected to the one energy. So there is a there is a continuum that they experience. It's just not as hard-lined and separated as humans tend to experience it. They're more integrated in their minds, but they do meditate, which means they go deep into their subconscious mind, deep into the connection to the identity to the spirit mind and the one mind as a, and as opposed to when they are awake and alert and maybe having competition or, or even uh, the prey predator exercise. And even as they do that, though, they are connected to the unity or the ecology The ecology would demonstrate the unity that is expressed on this planet as Gaia and her outpicturing of the one energy. And then, of course, unity is that universal oneness, that law of one in the entirety of the cosmos and all of the infinity of time space. So animals do move into this practice and they actually do it every day a lot. And now, again, I'm generalizing because I'm talking about the animals that are more common to our our home environment, the ones who come into our families, dogs, cats, birds, horses, and, um, um, you know, even fish, you know, all of these animals that are more common to our domestic um, experience. But the same is absolutely applied to pretty much, if if we can put a blanket across all of nature, all of the species, this is my experience in connecting with animals, including the insect realms and, and, and so on and so forth. And so with let's say our dogs and cats and our birds, you know, because I have birds and birds in my family. I've had birds in my family for um, 25 years, I think it is. Actually, even before that, because we had birds when I was a child. And so when birds, you know, you may see them taking naps or your dogs and cats, and it seems like they're taking naps. It seems like they do sleep a lot more than we do. 
And that is true. They do actually sleep a lot more than we do. But some of a lot of those times, if you're observing your dog or your cat, they may actually just be in meditation and not completely unconscious and in the sleep state. And it should be noted that the pardon for banking the mic, it should be noted that as the the brainwave frequency shifting that takes us into sleep is the same as that which takes us into meditation. And indeed, in order to go into sleep, we pass through meditation or we pass through basically hypnosis because meditation is a state of hypnosis. And so our animals do this consciously to go and do what I learned from a tortoise once, soul work is how I first <laughs> had it explained to me by this particular individual being. So I, ha- I have permission to share the story. I've shared it before on this podcast in other, diff- in other ways. So there was a tortoise uh, that I was communicating with. This was very earlier on into my practice as an animal communicator, as an animal telepath. And this was someone who was actually a, the, the human was someone I was in class with developing in a, in a, a mediumship development class. And so I was having sessions with her animals and I was communicating with her tortoise over the phone. We were having the session over the phone. Although I have the session preliminarily with the animal remotely and one-on-one. And then I communicate with the human either by video call or phone call is usually how I do it. I'm actually usually by video call at this point after I've had the one-on-one session with the animal. And then we continue to communicate with the animal while a you know, three-way conversation with the human, just to, if you're curious. And a lot of people tend to be curious about how it works if you haven't had an animal session before. And so I would had actually been working with our whole family. She had several animals. And we got to the tortoise, whose name is Maury, or was. He's actually passed now. This was quite a while ago. And she said, well, he's in hibernation right now. Can you communicate with him when he's hibernating? And I was like, well, I don't know. I've actually never communicated with a tortoise, (laughs) at least not as, you know, past, post my metaphysical opening. Maybe I did when I was a kid because I knew tortoises as a kid roaming around the, the, you know, pastures of Texas. But I didn't know. And so I reached out in my normal fashion. And Maury, I felt his energy and felt his connection, heard him in my mind's ear. And he said, indeed, it is a great time to connect. It's a really good time because this is when I do my soul work. And so I'm very well attuned, basically. I'm paraphrasing now. I'm very well attuned to do this kind of telepathic communication and the soul exploration at this time. And so he explained to me what his what I had felt from him or the way that Maury phrased it, this Maury the tortoise as soul work. And he said that as he hibernated, he could disidentify from his body and move deeply into the astral realms and do this powerful work of journeying and um, spiritual learning. And, and then he said that I could also go and identify with my body, move deeply into my body as it rested, and then experience profound rest. And I thought that was really cool. And that's one example. And then I've just in many of the sessions and then just with my own animals as you're just luxuriating with your animal that he or she may be meditating with you and one way i've been able to detect it detect it with dogs and cats is if they are sleeping and you may see that their ears still move a little bit sometimes because they're not actually 
sleeping. They're not actually napping. They're in a moderate or lighter state of meditation. And so they're still alert. And then you, you've also seen your dogs and cats go so deeply asleep that... <laughs> It's like they they've left the they've left the realm entirely, and you know you it's they they startle awake because they're they're so deep into the unconscious state. So that's one way you might be able to detect to detect that your animals are meditating. And my animals love to meditate with me, and I'm sure your do yours do as well. My bird, who has passed now, her name was Shale Shale Bird. She was a cockatiel, and I used to. This was in my twenties. Um, and I used to, I worked in a restaurant and I worked a double, I would work a double shift or sometimes even just before I went in for my evening shift that I had a habit of taking a quick power nap and Shalebird always wanted to come and rest. I would be, you know, lying on my side and Shalebird would rest right in the crook of my shoulder and neck. And I now realize I didn't necessarily at the time realize that she wanted to meditate with me because even though I was taking a nap, I was actually meditating because, you know, when you take a power nap and you probably only really get to sleep about three minutes, well, the time around that sleep time is actually meditation. It's or it's hypnosis. And so even though I didn't know I had a habit of meditation, that's what I was doing. And I might have dipped down into sleep for a few minutes, but Shale and I were actually meditating together. And actually, my cat at that time, his name was Aramis, Ami. And he was actually in my dream this morning, now I realize, as I'm recording this, that he's a part of this episode. And he also wanted to, like, so I'd have the bird right right there on the crook of my neck and shoulder, and then my cat right there on my, and my tummy in that little spooning crook there. And so some of you may be like, wait, your cat and bird could be together? Yes, somehow this combination, it worked out <laughs> great. It's not necessarily possible with all personalities between animals and birds, but my cat was, he really he really didn't pay any attention to my birds and I could actually put shale on his back and he would kind of go, Hmm, that feels good. Like her little nails on his back. He'd be like, yeah, that feels nice. So, um, that was an, uh, an unusual combination of personalities that worked out, but yeah, I would meditate as AKA nap, but meditate with both my bird and my cat at the time. Another example of animals meditating. And actually now my cat Delilah and all of my cats like to meditate with me, but currently I have a habit of meditating with Delilah every morning. And uh, so I get up and I actually feed everyone, my husband and I feed everyone, and then I go right into meditation. <laughs> and as I'm doing the very last thing to bring water out to Tom, who's my outdoor feral cat, or to the birds or whatever it is, doing the very last thing and Delilah starts like, meow, she's like, hey, are we going to go do it? And she's like going into our meditation room. <laughs> and she and I have a couple of places that I'll meditate and she chooses which one we want to go to. And I'm like, okay, that's great. We'll, we'll, we'll do this room today. And really just loves that time. And I actually have a beautiful little video of an example that I'm going to show you here in just a moment of Delilah. And then also in my sessions that... A lot of times animals will come and start to meditate or even find a spot, whether it's near their human or not, in the house and meditate while we're having our animal communication sessions because that's all done in the altered state when we're doing any kind of spiritual communication, telepathy, psychic, intuitive communication. And so that's some examples of it. Your animals, as you observe them, and you may think that they're, that they're napping, they may actually be taking a meditative time. Prayer. Animals do pray. And now prayer, just to put that in context, is not the supplication kind of, you know, um, 
begging for something. When the begging of something or the supplication is is actually activating the frequency of its opposite, is activating the frequency of not having something. So prayer is really um, bring appreciating and amplifying the state of something that is, amplifying the state of isness. And so when we pray for someone else, it's like affirmations by proxy. We are affirming their health and wellness, their vitality, their well-being, the love that they are, we're amplifying that which they are. So that's what real prayer, effective and dynamic prayer is, is amplifying that which is, that higher essence of what is, and which is calling in the I am energy about that, calling in the truth, the higher truth, the unity, the love, one, about that. And so animals do this. And they pray for us. They just... This is a, a really great example for those of you who have animals in your family, that when you're spending that time with your animal, and if it's a cat who's sitting on you and purring and looking at you, if it's your dog who is just cuddling you and and their eyes aren't even all the way closed, you know, they're awake still, or your horse and you're holding your horse's face and maybe, you know, you feel him or her lean against you and and that with my shalebird when I'm scratching her little head and she's moving her head all around and making these little chortles, you know, that's something that we would do together. That is a kind of co-praying because what they're doing is amplifying that beautiful energy of your love together. And so they're praying blessings upon you and they're praying blessings upon the love that you have and amplifying it. And that's a really great example of how you have probably felt your animal praying with you and for you. And so they pray about all the wonderful things in their life. They spend time in gratitude and appreciation. And they spend time in blessing and allowing blessing to fill their being and sending it out. And even if you have animals who are <laughs> seemingly adversarial with one another in your family, they take care of one another. They pray and heal one another even so. And speaking of healing... Oh, actually, before I go to healing, I wanted to give an example of praying and how my Delilah actually helped me to calibrate and tune my prayer in the, in the appropriate way. This one time I was on a case for a lost animal, and th th I don't do those a lot because I, I um, well, they're, they're very difficult, they're very challenging, they, they require a lot of time and availability and they are, they're just really difficult. And also I personally prefer to do them when I can be physically present because I use my body as a divining rod and my own energy takes us to the animal. Um, anyway, so I was on this one case for a lost animal and it happened to be someone who lived in my area. And I was really, I mean, I was holding this vibration of worry. I was really worried and I was really kind of grasping. I was doing what I said. I was doing the opposite of prayer as I was, I was kind of grasping, which was an activation of what was not and feeling really conditional about needing this cat to be found and needing her to be re to reunited, to be reunited because she was the best friend of a little girl who was like eight or nine years old. And so my heart was kind of like, I was not in an objective place or a neutral place at all. I had a lot of conditions going on in my vibration and so I was leaving to go and find this animal help assist to look for the this cat and as I was leaving I said to Delilah with this kind of wonky vibration conditional worried grasping and I said to my Delilah my kitty Delilah 
will you pray for me as I go find, try and, try and find this cat? And that's probably even the language I said, probably said it out loud. Will you pray for me as I go and try and find this cat activating the opposite? Delilah communicated to me, you know, telepathically, but very energetically, kind of consumed me with her energy, this really stable, grounded question of, well, why would I need to do that? So she was essentially saying the way that I was presenting, will you pray? Like, will you, will you beg and, <laughs> and do the thing the wrong way? That's the energy I was presenting with prayer. And she's like, well, why would I do that? We found each other. So anything is possible. And so she really just gave me that attunement and helped me to be like, yeah, this isn't about me managing anything. This is about energies finding one another because that is what they have determined to do from their higher selves. And that's the best that I can do is hold whatever without conditions, without assumptions that I know what the highest good is for everyone involved, holding that space of it. And then still going out and using my body and using my skills and doing all of the things and holding space for those who are in the experience. So Delilah taught me about prayer, taught me how to pray the right way in that incident. Now healing. Let's talk about healing. This is definitely no surprise to those of you who are close with animals that they heal us. So how they heal us is that our animals are closer to the frequency of Gaia. Gaia being the energy, the archangelic energy, some may say the soul of that which creates the earth. Now it is of the, it is of the, for lack of a better word, rank, but it is of the realm of that which is archangelic, the very, very high creative energy proximate to source energy. So the energy of Gaia is a, a close signature to God energy, creator energy, prime creator or source energy. And so being more proximate, as animals in nature are, to the signature of Gaia energy, then they are more proximate or higher vibrating than, let's say, humans, for example. They vibrate closer to that ecological and universal energy than do we, in a general sense, obviously. But this is something that can actually be, um, uh, what am I, what's the word I'm trying to think, like, calibrated or not calibrated but counted you can actually assess it that's what i'm looking for because there is the with the schumann resonance meter we can actually see that an animal like for example a cat's purr and the energy that a dog has when he or she is wagging his or her tail that the frequency that they are holding there is much higher resonance than that of the basic human vibration and so they do they are a higher vibration and therefore when there is an energy that is number one higher vibration but number two sustained and sustaining in strength then all that is left is for the energy that is lower vibration to either leave to be repelled by it or to come up in its energy in order to have that resonance so when you are having those glorious times that are prayerful with your animal they are healing you when your animals are taking naps with you and lying on certain parts of your body or lying near certain parts of your body, or if you have an animal, for example, in this one reading, the dog showed me that he liked to lie next to his person's feet after he came home from work and while he was like reading the paper or paper or watching the news or something. And the reason he would lay next to his feet was because he was working to transmute the energies of his labor and of, of his connection to the world and helping him to 
to slough that off and allow Gaia to receive it and transmute and alchemize it and then send back that pure energy. And he would use his physical body for that. And your animals do that as well. So if you have, if you have an animal and you, you, your dog or cat, for example, who may be sleeping or taking naps or just wanting to cuddle in certain parts of your body, habitually around your head or on your, around here at your, at the area of your um, heart or throat or at your lower area of your gut or the requisite chakra areas or your feet, like I said, you know, then they are potentially taking care of either your physical body or your mental, emotional body, your spirit body. And they are working with those energies and using their actual bodies to transmute the energies, using their actual spirit bodies to transmute and, tr and change the energy for you by connecting into yours. And so they are just natural energy healers. It just happens. It's just their way of being. And they are, they spiritually advance us. They do go through an arc of um, maturity in the same way that humans do. It's relative to their lifespan. So dogs and cats live a much shorter lifespan than humans. And so, and well, so do horses and fish and birds for the most part, the ones that who are more commonly in our, our household as families. But, you know, actually the reptiles, the tortoises, for example, a lot of tortoises, some like the sulcata tortoise can live a hundred or more years. And then of course, parrots can live like some, some are 60 to 80 years. So anyway, I'm getting, I'm geeking out on animals too much. So anyway, it is relative to their lifespan, their their personality maturity, and also their spiritual development. But they do kind of go through when they have a shorter a lifespan that is shorter inside of ours. Let's say a dog who lives 15 years. So then, by the time that they are three years old, they've kind of come of age and they are mature. They're a young adult, but they are mature. By the time they are seven, they're really entering into wisdom and they start to surpass us in their spiritual development and become spiritual guardians for us. And yet, interestingly, our relationship with them still remains this guardianship where we are their physical guardians and we tend to think of them as our children, which is appropriate because we take care of their bodies like our children. But they take care of us spiritually, so it's a beautiful symbiotic relationship. And so they are very natural, easily, typical, without even thinking about it. Again, like meditation, it's not something that they learn. They just are healers. And I certainly don't have to explain that to anyone who has relationship with horses either because horses are powerfully intuitive. They, they emit intuition in a way that is palpable. If you ever meet a horse person, you've met an intuitive person, if they have any kind of relationship with their horses. <laughs> and um, horses, they, they just are very high vibrating as a, as a general, as a species. They have this powerful vibration that they bring. And what a majestic animal to be. Uh, uh, okay, I'm gonna, again, I'm getting too far off tangents on how much I love animals. So healers they are. So I have a video to share with you inside this episode. And this is my Delilah. She and I had been meditating for about 30, 45, I think it was about 45 minutes. And she was sitting in the little crook of my lotus seated position, you know, right there between my ankles, you know, where your ankles curve in together. And then I wear noise canceling headphones when I meditate. It helps me to go within. And I was still wearing my headphones. And then I started to do some chant. And... I wasn't paying really, I wasn't in my conscious mind yet, so I wasn't really consciously paying attention to Delilah. 
But as I was doing the different mantra that I was I was doing, I just hear through my headphones little like little little chirps, little oh you know, woof, yeah, her talking to me, and then purrs and little row. And so I had to get it on video. Now what's interesting as you watch this video, I did a couple of videos. The first one I did, I was just doing the chant. I was just saying it, but I wasn't really resonating as much. So she just kind of like didn't really respond to it. So for the video that you see here, I was holding the phone with, but I had to, I, for me, it was, I'm, I'm, I can go within again with my eyes closed better. So I have my eyes closed and I'm truly resonating it. So as I'm, as I'm doing, as I'm chanting the Om Mani Padme Hum, I was doing it in a genuine way that I had been doing it from my meditative state where I was allowing that to magnetize to me light, spirit. Actually, I was sending it out to archangels and interdimensionals and all of my masters and guides. And I had been working with St. Germain and my Council of Light. I'd been doing a lot in the meditation. And I was vibrating that out and I was resonating and magnetizing to me all of these beings of light, but just magnetizing to me the one, the one energy, the law of one. And, and so as I did it genuinely and resonated it, then Delilah would respond as she does. Om Mani Padme Pretty cute, huh? I love how she grabs her little foot at the end and rubs her face because she's like, it's so much bliss. And it was just almost like she had to join in and use her voice as well. And then, of course, use that purr. Oh, my goodness, purrs. And even if you're listening to this, I think you can, hopefully you can hear the purrs really well and get the gist, get the gist of it. But you can watch it on, on the YouTube channel if you want to go check it out later. And another thing that shows animals as healers and working with uh, spiritual practice in a similar way that we do is this picture of my Delilah. So in this picture here that for those who are listening, there I had three crystals, three of the small crystals, and I had put them in the moonlight and, and subsequently left them in the sunlight to recharge right by the, uh, you know, the door where the big glass door was. And I just put them there and I actually put them just kind of in a line separate from one another and Delilah organized these in a triangle and sat down. She moved them. She moved that. I didn't do that. She moved them out into a triangle, positioned them, and then sat herself down in the middle of those crystals. And she kept it that way for a few days, and she was meditating. So the picture I have here is she's actually a little more conscious. She looks a little sleepy-eyed. But she had been snoozing in there. She I mean, looked like snoozing, again, meditating and lying in that triangle grid that she created from those crystals to meditate. She had it that way for a few days. And I have other times that I've seen my cats use my crystals to meditate. There's one time when I had been meditating and I had him on the couch and Franzi came over and he he's done this a couple of times actually that I've seen. He took my crystal and he positioned it 
and I saw him do it. I didn't get this on video, <laughs> but he, he was using his little paw to position it under his chest, like right at his heart. And you can see him kind of wiggling around and putting the crystal in there. And then he just meditated and he just sat there and went out, went into meditation for about 10, 15 minutes. And then when he awoke, when he came out, I should say, when he came out of meditation, he took the crystal and he like scooped it up and he like held it close and he like hugged it with his little face and he rubbed his face on it and he was kissing it a little bit and he was thanking it for its cooperation in his meditation. Powerful. I also have some um, times that I've snapped shots of Franzi where he has one little paw on a crystal and then he has another one somewhere else. And he's like, clearly like he reached out to put his little hand on that carnelian that he was meditating with. So they do use crystals. If they're lying around, they may actually use them. But, you know, it may, besides your crystals that, you know, those typical ones, it could be stones. It could be the wood floor. It could be the table and uh, that is made of a certain element that is helpful for them helpful to them they do use the resonant qualities of our nature in order to heal and uplift and to meditate and just experience that law of one that unity one other thing that i was surprised to learn about animal spiritual practices over the uh, the fall of 2019 i did a series where every single day i i released a podcast on the day about the lunar cycle. And so I went through 29 days of a lunar phase. So you may, if you're a regular to this podcast, you may have actually seen that. And, you know, if you, uh, if you're interested in that and you have it, because it's, it's works in all time, even though I was doing that literal phase, you can actually still align with it and get the messages that work for you, receive the energies that work for you at this time, even though it's a different, um, technical time and so i'll put a there's a link in the description here for you to go and find the phase one and then you can move from there and see uh, all of the other ones as well as it being a special playlist on my youtube channel anyway so when i was doing that series of 29 days of lunar phase one of the episodes i decided to interview my cats and ask them how they experience the lunar cycle and do they work with the moon and so I interviewed and talked to each of them. But the one that really stood out to me that was so interesting and so cute even was when I talked to my Franzi about it. And he said that he taps into the moon energies and calibrates the frequencies of his purrs to be able to resonate certain kinds of energies that for me would be healing, but would be connected for him. And I just thought that was fascinating and surprising. It was not something I would expect. But I really enjoyed learning that from my Franzi. And so there's another spiritual practice that your animals may do, actually consciously working with the lunar cycles. If we ask them, then they would be able to identify how they do work with the moon. Another thing that is really interesting, as I said, they they do love to meditate with us and Barnabas is one of my cats, and Barnabas likes to help me when I'm working on a longer-term animal communication or animal healing case. And when it's a little bit longer term where I'm supporting and helping and healing for a while, Barnabas is clearly involved, and even if I haven't really noticed him in the energy space, he'll sometimes he'll come up to me when I'm, you know, after 
having been in the actual session, but he'll come up to me in between sessions if I've been working with an animal repeatedly and he'll say, because I have the animal so much in my energy field, and he'll just ask me, are you getting another animal? Is this animal coming to live with us? And he actually doesn't do it anymore. I think he got the 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 he got the gist of the habit of it. But he was doing this for a while when I was working habitually. He'd be like, "Is that animal coming to live with us?" Because you know we got a lot of animals in here. Is it? So are we gonna? What's he gonna be like? Is it gonna be okay? And are they? And I was like, "No, no, honey, I'm not. I'm not actually. We're not adopting that animal. He's not coming to live with us." I'm just working with them. Thank you so much. And then he may come and ask me, are you sure he's not coming to live? Is he coming to live with us? Because it's like, you know, he's really in your energy. And I'm like, no, no, sweetie, he's not coming to live with us. Thank you. We're just helping him. And then like another day, the next day he would come to me and be like, okay, so if you want this animal, come live with us. I'm fine with it. Let's just discuss it. I'm like, honey, I'm really, really not adopting this animal. <laughs> so that happened like several times. And like I said, I think he got the idea that, oh, this is what happens in mommy's energy. <laughs> it's He's not, we're not actually bringing that animal home home and Barnabas um, in addition to Barnabas who is one of my animals who is embodied now um, animals will work with you in your spirit practice meaning your past animals and this could be the past animals that you know but I've also just found randos <laughs> who show up meaning like I don't know I haven't known them in this life maybe I've known them in other time space real in parallel lives or I don't know, but like there is a dog named Scout who's a female dog who works with me. I I don't know a Scout. Or maybe I'm going to know her eventually. I don't know, but I've not known in this life a, a, a medium-sized female black and brown dog named Scout. She works with me and she helps me in my in, in everything that I do. And she really does help me with my animal communication work and my animal healing. One other, another story about how they, they pop into your meditation, they help you. One time I was on a plane and I was about to take off and I don't actually get, I don't have fear of flying, but for whatever reason, I had a little nervousness like, oh, I, I don't know if I want to do this, you know, just getting on a plane and the engines start to power up and everything. And Barnabas just like shot into my mind. Like it was like he was right here in front of my face and he just sent me love and just comforted me. And I felt fine. I mean, first of all, it made me chuckle. And that's enough to raise your vibration. And then it just made me feel so comforting. Comforted because he could feel me needing comfort. And he just showed up for me. And Barnabas is like one of the best people in the whole wide world. So he would be <laughs> doing that. Now, so far as it concerns mediumship, as I said, they, they will help you. They will be spirit guides for you, whether they're still incarnate or if they're past. So your past animals, 100%, you have a relationship with them still. They are with you. They are taking care of you. And yes, even if they, you experience their energy as being reincarnated, so to speak, into a current animal, their energy complex as the one that you had known still exists for you on the other side. That's energy is infinite we're not we're not actually you don't incarnate in a linear sense because we're talking about eternity we're talking about infinity so parallel lives exist in any particular time space moment that we're focusing upon all of the other perspectives still exist as a reality in the universal experience of the one moment and so animals do experience mediumship whether they and that is you know as an animal communicator animal communicators communicate with animals who are past as well you know mediumistically but one interesting beautiful even more than interesting story about how animals connect mediumistically so i have this feral couple of cats 
Um, Tom Skerritt is his name because he is the handsome, silver-haired, older gentleman. Well, when I first met him, he wasn't older yet. And his wife, Helen, Helen Skerritt. <laughs> now, it, I say husband and wife, it's not a joke. These two were, they, they're feral, and I met them. Well, long story, I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but Helen was my first com animal communication experience uh, post-opening as a, uh, my metaphysical opening, and my connecting with her it was the first time I had experienced animal communication, and subsequently, it actually saved her life. So it's a longer story. It's on other podcasts, and if I can find one, maybe there's a link in the description here. <laughs> but anyway, Tom and Helen are animals or are cats that started to home in my backyard, and I was able to trap, spay, and neuter and release them back into the environment that they were accustomed to, which is actually... TNR, it's called trap neuter release, is actually a very beneficial way to keep the this the ecosystem balanced. So actually releasing them rather than sometimes we we can adopt them into our homes, but these were older and they really seemed to want to maintain their outdoor status and they wanted to remain together, which they just did. So even after both being fixed, both being sterilized, so that they wouldn't continue to you know put themselves in difficult situations of reproducing animal, reproducing cats that could, you know, not survive and so on and so forth. You guys get it. Then they stayed together and they would make love, even though they had been sterilized for years. They were constantly together. Helen, even she was a bit more needy, I would say, always just needed to cuddle Tom, needed to kiss him, needed to just be with him, cuddle, 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 cuddle all the time and this is how they lived on they're basically my back porch is their living room they hardly left at all they would they go out to the front yard a little bit and you know other parts of their relationships beautiful tom has secondary glaucoma so his sight is mostly diminished and helen would still catch mice for him even though i feed them every day she would catch mice for him and bring him to him and she would sometimes, if his eyes were a little more swollen and he was having a harder time or he had a headache, she would nudge him toward the food dish. People have witnessed this. It's not just me. And you could see her, like, moving him and guiding him. So Helen passed this year. Um, she passed at the end of January. And Tom is surviving her, and he's still around. So what, one of the things they used to do that was so adorable is they would lie on the porch in the sun and they would roll around together and kind of play footsie and maybe kind of kiss at each other and just roll around and writhe around in the sunlight and just like mm, like a little pillow talk and, and just enjoy the sun and enjoy one another. And so this video I'm about to show you, or actually, let's show it now. I'll describe it for those who are listening, is Tom about two months was it two or three months after Helen passing? Yeah, it was about two and a half months after her passing. And he's doing that behavior. He's doing that same thing. He's lying in the sun, and Helen is there with him. She's rolling around as a spirit, rolling around with him. And, he, and for him, if you, he, he's, he's with her, and he's celebrating and celebrating their love and celebrating one another in the exact same way. And it, it's really touching. I didn't have a video of them 
while she was still in the body playing and, and pawing at each other that way. But I have other videos of them. Just here's a picture of them lying next to one another in that way and after having done one of those cuddle footsie fests, but in that exact same spot on the patio. So when Helen passed, actually, when she was released of her body, I was in communication with her and she passed in a hospital. We were trying to save her life, but it ended up that was not the journey. It was for us to experience, you know, she, she at first, it's a difficult story to tell. She went into the hospital. She had asked me to take her to the hospital because she knows that human medicine can intervene and help her to continue to have a, a life of loving Tom. That's the only thing she cared about because that's what happened so many years ago. And so we took her in and it ended up that her kidney had to be removed and the other one failed. And all she wanted when she, she didn't mind that she was transitioning. All she wanted was to be with Tom. She didn't want to be in pain. So can we keep me on these pain meds and I can just go home to Tom and be with him? And so the only thing that she wanted was to be with Tom. And since she couldn't survive the kidney failure and she passed while she was in the hospital. And I was with her energy and for a moment she went into the earth and had a reset and it was like a blink of an eye was with Tom at home. While I was still at the hospital, was with Tom at home. And so she was reunited with the love of her life and the love of many lives. <laughs> and so that's my Tom and Helen story. And that's some of the stuff that you can, you might be able to experience if you connect with your animals or if you just think about these things that the similarities and the robustness of, of spiritual experiencing and experiencing spirit being a physical being. Our animals have a lot of that activity too. And they are great teachers and they are great healers. And those are the animal spiritual practices, some that I wanted to share with you. Interest, it, it, incidentally, if you're interested in learning animal communication, I have an on-demand full comprehensive course on my website and it's on demand so you can take it at your own pace and you can also then join the private Facebook group I have of a community where people support one another only those who have taken this animal communication course so I, I uh, I'm, I'm present in that group as well so if you want to go check that out the link is in the description but more importantly Actually, what I have going on right now, uh, you've heard us talk about my best friend, Crystal Ann Compton, and I, who's a spiritual teacher and channel. We have an energy intensive going on. And so stay tuned after this um, podcast, after the uh, outro music, and you'll hear us talk about it a little bit. And I also wanted to mention that for those of you who are regular listeners, I'm going to be shifting the schedule a little bit. I will be very soon changing the release day of my full episodes like this has been going out on Sundays I'm going to change that to Friday and so then it'll go out on Friday and then you have Friday Saturday Sunday Monday you know and then in between those those full episodes as I've been doing I'm releasing two or three four or five sometimes 
shorter episodes, mini episodes on various topics. And um, a lot of these lately have been solo episodes. And that just happens sometimes. I am guided into doing some solo episodes, solo teaching. But I do have some guests coming up soon as well. It seems like the, the guest cycle will be starting up a little bit. And um, so stay tuned for that. Some really beautiful and exciting guest experts and various um, areas. Actually, one that I think is coming up soon is a psychic lawyer. I believe that's someone who's coming up. So stay tuned with that. Okay, everyone. That is this episode. I send all of my love holding the highest vision, holding prayers and blessings, amplifying your highest good, resonating and reflecting back to you all that is your beauty. Those high, beautiful resonances from your soul down flowing to through that silver cord, being received to create your physical walk as a journeyer in this experience, that path of divine becoming human and human becoming divine, the Christhood experience. I amplify that for you. I amplify that for me. And as we join together in that amplification, it vibrates out to this beautiful world upon which we live with our animals, with our nature, with our brothers and sisters as humans, and invoking and inviting that you may experience the one energy in any and all times of this time-space reality and experience the eternality of who you are. That's not a real word. We just made it up. <laughs> and I just appreciate you for being here. All of my love to you, all of the highest blessings upon your life, mind, body, spirit. Thanks for tuning in. I love you, whoever you are. How would you describe the ideal student for the 2020 Energy Intensive with Crystal Ann Compton and Trisha Carr? It doesn't matter it, it, what your experience is. What matters is that you are a serious seeker and a serious student and that you are interested in resourcing your time and your interest to engage in the content, engage in the practice, engage with the community because that aspect is profoundly valuable the community aspect, the fellowship, but also who are fearless. We're looking for folks who are fearless, who are excited to expand and move forward. And what we mean to say by that is if, if, you're, if you're at the place, which is totally fine, but it's just not something we're going to be addressing. If you're at the place where you're like, okay, I'm a little afraid of doing that and I don't think I get any of this. Um, we, we love you and we have other resources for you in the Lightworkers Lab and everyone is there and has been there at some point, I should say, but we're not going to be able to cover that. It's for folks who are ready to just move forward. If you are interested in healing or even if you don't know anything about any of this stuff, but you feel like you have a calling to serve in this way, that you have a calling toward healing, this intensive is for you. And if you're like Trisha and I and you geek out on all the different modalities we're not we can't possibly go over them all but we are going to be covering quite a few we're going to be talking about the auras we're talking about the chakra system we're going to be covering sound and resonance we're going to be talking about color therapy which i love like how to apply color to shift and modify energy how to sense color and what does that mean you're going to be talking about 
physical symptoms that are presenting in the body right now, and we all have those, and what they actually indicate in terms of energetic and spiritual issues. And that's so cool because you don't have to have that medical degree to figure out how to deal with this symptom. You can actually go right to the root, to the energetic or the spiritual cause, clear that, and everything in the physical body adjusts around it. This is about teaching, but it's also about activations. You're going to be receiving the activations to interact with the energy, but also to utilize the energy for your own healing and for the healing of others. So there's like downloads, there's activations, there's attunements that are also part of this program.